0: Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins Vampire. Of so, we have a little problem here at Ruins Vampire HQ. It seems producer Sean has run out of the high grade producer chow that I have been feeding him. Now, sure, I could go out and get the cheap stuff, but I find the premium product gives him a little more energy and keeps his beard nice and shiny. So if you want to help this project and keep Sean's bowl filled, you can find copies of the entire Ruins of Empire series available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can follow along with the podcast, and it helps pay bills around these parts. And trust me, you're not going to want to clean his cage if I have to go for the bargain brand. You are listening to Ruins of Empire, Templum Veneris, Book 2 of the Ruins of Empire Project, a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author. Chapter 23 The problem with the American method of warfare, said a corporation general in charge of the Brazilian assault, is that they are used to breaking down the door, taking what they need, and sparing the house. But sometimes... It's best to burn the whole rotten thing to the foundation. From the Fall The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization by Martin Raff Althea sat locked in her quarters aboard the shuttle and looked at the readout on her Eros again. She felt sick every time she looked at the screen. It couldn't be true. It had to be some error in the system, a communication breakdown, or a bad connection. But all the evidence appeared to show the same thing. About an hour ago, Vago's vitals became increasingly erratic. His pulse skyrocketed. His adrenaline peaked. His blood pressure became just shy of dangerous. Every sign in his body told the same story. Vago was in the middle of battle, and then, for no apparent reason... His pulse flatlined, and she lost the signal altogether. Althea took a long, deep breath and looked for another explanation. She poured through all the data she could, but the more she examined the evidence, the more crushing the reality became. Vago Spade was dead. For a man like him, this was nothing unusual or unexpected. Hell, knowing Vago losing his life in battle, pursuing some foolhardy mission or another, was exactly the way he wanted and expected to go. And yet, the idea he might actually be dead seemed like a foreign concept. She wiped away tears as she sat staring at the data. A world without Vago Spade just seemed wrong. To her, it was like trying to imagine a universe where gravity ceased to exist in one catastrophic moment. Somewhere outside the shuttle, something banged against the hull. It was a soft, hollow, faraway sound that compounded her feeling of isolation in this place. She found that, more than anything else... She wanted to tell Vago she was sorry again. She wanted him to know that on some level she did love him and wanted to be with him. It seemed like such a simple idea now. Why had everything become so complicated? The banging became louder and more persistent. Althea tried the door again, only to find it still locked. She called out, Hello? But the tiny room remained completely still. She sat back on the bunk and listened. Whatever was going on outside was more than just the random noises of the ship resting on a windy, rocky plain. It was as if it were being pelted over and over again with rock or debris. Althea started to think about her predicament. Could she escape if she needed to? Captain Colton used a unique protocol to rig her door locked from the inside, and the lock itself was electronic. That suggested if she could block or distort the signal somehow, the door might revert to its original settings. Although she didn't even have her black medical bag, it was in another part of the shuttle since she hadn't needed it since they landed, so she had no tools to gain access to any part of the system. Althea stood up again and knocked on her door, calling out again, Hello, is everything all right? This time the door unlocked, slid open, and Colton stood in the doorway, looking like a small animal that had just been chased a considerable distance. What's going on out there? Althea looked around the captain at the empty hallway. Friend, he said, his voice shaking slightly. I-, I-, I think I think you need to see something. They both jumped at a sharp bang as something hit the side of the hall with considerable force. What is what is that noise? Colton seemed at a loss for words. I I can't you'll just have to see this, friend. And then he beckoned her forward. He led her to the bridge of the shuttle where several monitors above the main control on either side of the cockpit windows showed camera views of the hull of the ship. Each one showed Scytherian soldiers in full military dress, attacking the side of the shuttle, heaving rocks of various sizes against the metal, or attacking it with metal sledgehammers, leaving dings and dents. What are they trying to do? Asked Althea, her eyes flicking over the screens with a frown. I have no idea, friend. They showed up a little while ago. They worked out how to use the intercom near the cargo bay door, but I have no idea what they were trying to say. Then they started throwing rocks at us. Those guys with the hammers showed up just recently, and there are more coming all the time. Althea watched a couple of men attack the side of the ship with hammers for a few more moments. Can they actually get in that way? Colton shook his head. Not with the way these ships are shielded. It would take weeks, friend. But there are weak spots out there. Engine intakes, fuel lines, stabilizers, propulsion systems. It's only a matter of time before they find one of them, and... If they do enough damage, we won't be leaving this planet. In one of the monitors, a soldier stood by the intercom as if waiting for some response. Althea approached the control console and activated the comm on her side. Okay, vos quer? The soldier standing by the intercom looked startled. Then he reached forward to press the button on the intercom. Nos, femeos para la fera. Tejeira el paro nos. Althea stood back. They have come for me. Colton looked confused and slightly panicked. You... What? Althea shook her head. It doesn't matter. Can we lift off? Colton's eyes widened. Well, yes, friend, but what about the others? Well, not completely lift off. Just enough to move us somewhere else. Maybe somewhere harder to find. Not enough fuel, friend. We have just enough to reach orbit and get back to Earth. We have a little extra, but using any of it puts us at risk of... How about weapons? asked Althea desperately. Colton opened his mouth as if to say something, but the words didn't come. Then a look of realization brightened his face, and he ran to another part of the bridge. He opened a compartment near the rear. Several hours ago, a Scytherian brought these. I didn't know what to do, so I just took them and held them here. He turned back around, holding Vago's shoulder holsters in his hand. Will these help, friend? Althea felt sick again as she realized what they were. The banging outside got louder as Althea took one of the guns by the grip and pulled it out of the holster. She fought back a tidal wave of anger and sadness as she gazed at the beautifully crafted weapon and tried to focus on what needed to be done. Yes, that will do. I'll go down to speak to them. Leave the intercom on and when I tell you to, hit the thrusters. Friend, I told you, we have very limited fuel, Colton said with a hint of panic as Althea started to walk toward the door. Don't lift off, just fire them enough to bounce us off the ground and throw a bit of dust around. On my signal. She ran from the bridge and down the spiral staircase to the cargo hold until she stopped at the intercom on the other side of the outer door. She paused for a moment to translate the words. This is Althea. I'm coming out. She waited for a moment and listened at the door as the Scytherian leader shouted orders and the hammering stopped. She heard a short scuffle and then silence. She held Vago's gun behind her back as she pressed a button to open the door. At least ten soldiers stood in formation with one in front. Four or five of them cradled sledgehammers while the rest aimed spears at her. The one in charge stepped forward. Althea shouted, Pada! The soldier stopped, and one hand went for the sword on his belt. Althea revealed the gun and pointed it at the ranking soldier's head. She glared at him and shouted the order again, Pada! The soldier with the crested helmet smiled, took a step back and raised his hands. Then he muttered a few words to the soldiers standing nearby, at which they laughed. Althea started to get the feeling that they were not taking the situation seriously. The lead soldier shouted a few more orders at his men, and as one, they all started to move forward. Colton, hit the thrusters! Althea shouted. The soldiers looked confused for a moment. A few laughed as they watched Althea brace herself on a handhold near the doorway. Then, once again, they started to converge on her. A high-pitched whine appeared to come from everywhere at once, and an instant later there was a blast like a bomb going off. The world outside the door was lost in a storm of flying dirt and dust as the shuttle lifted off the ground. Just as fast, the floor felt like it dropped from under her feet, and she had to hold on with all her strength to keep from being thrown to the floor. It took a second before she felt steady again, and she walked outside the open cargo bay door. As she intended, the quick jolt from the thrusters knocked all the soldiers off their feet. Althea aimed and fired a few shots into the dust-filled air. There were warning shots fired over the soldier's head or at the ground near their feet although one bounced off a shield, but it sent the right message. As the soldiers scrambled to their feet, they sprinted away from the ship toward the relative safety of the city. The lead soldier yelled at his retreating men, but after a bullet grazed the bright red crest on his helmet, he decided that being the only one left standing was not the way to live a long, healthy life. Althea leaned against the open door for a few moments, watching them flee, then hit the button to close it. Colton pounded down the spiral staircase. Did it work? We don't have enough you to do that again, friend. Not enough that I'd want to risk. It's fine. Althea put Vago's gun in the pocket of her white coat. At least for now, we've got to figure out what the bloody hell's going on before they send more of them. Althea activated her arrows and selected Isra's channel. She tried hailing the team leader several times, but she didn't respond. Finally, she switched to Kronos' channel. He picked up almost immediately. Althea, are you okay? Althea held her hand to her ear. I'm fine, Kronos, for now. Isra's not... Isra's gone! Althea and Colton exchanged fearful, panic glances. Gone? What do you mean gone? She has become a tool of the Arinha. She is her servant now. She wishes to start a war with Earth. She has lost all connection to reality or her former home. Joanna is helping me escape the city. We must be ready to leave when I arrive. And just leave her here. Althea was not sure she believed what she was hearing. Kronos paused. It is possible she is working within. We can wait for a signal, some sign that she is well and trying to escape. All I know is, if she tries to bring us to the city, or the arena, Hazala, we must go. I understand, Kronos. Keep me posted. Let me know if we can help. She switched off her connection and turned to Colton. Get us ready to launch. We might not have much time when Kronos arrives. Colton nodded and started climbing back up the spiral staircase. He looked back. Do you really think Isra would just turn on us like that? Althea swallowed hard. No, she has a plan. I can't imagine what it would be, but she wouldn't do that. She looked again at the icons on her Arrows computer, showing all the available channels. Vago's was dark red, indicating that there was no signal from his device. Vago, she whispered, I know you're out there. We need you. You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire. Templum Veneris, the second book of The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Predator by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. Licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license. the opinions of producer Sham do not necessarily reflect those of Ruins of Empire or anything I've ever written ever. Yes, it does. (laughs) City of Geeks. Independent new media produced in Idaho.